got a we got a special guest speaker for you guys this morning. He's one of our very own, coming all the way from table four, uh, 15, I should say in the back. 15. Woo, shout out for table 15. Uh, this guy's name is Greg. You'll want to know that. Uh, man, I was, so Greg, a man of God, incredible man of God. Come on. Married 42 years. Woo, right there. Uh, police officer for how many years? 32 years as a police officer, retired, can build pretty much anything you want him to build. He helps out a lot around here with, uh, <laughs> I break stuff, he fixes stuff, amen. Uh, and then also does like crash reconstruction, so he's got, he, he is a jack of all trades. He's a master of all trades, and without any other words, I'll just hand it over to him. Everyone give it up for Greg Edgecombe. All right, all right. Well, thank you so much, Tom, uh, Pastor Tom, for inviting me to come on up here and share uh, with the group. And I thank you guys for sitting here and listening to me. Um, I hope that what I have to say today uh, is not only a, a challenge to our hearts, uh, but also um, the Lord uh, moves in us uh, in a way maybe that he hasn't moved in us in the past. So, you know, I start every single morning uh, when I wake up. Uh, the first thing I do, the alarm goes off. I pray, and I pretty much say the same thing every single day. This is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. I don't care if it's raining outside. I don't care if it's snowing outside. I don't care if I have to come here and plow snow at 3 o'clock in the morning to clear the lots here. This is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. The next thing I do is I get my phone and I punch uh, a Bible app up and I looked at the verse of the day. And you know what? This morning I read the verse of the day and I said, whoa, I'm going to the men's group this morning. This is awesome. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. This is what I said when I read that. That's me. Can you say, that's me? Right on. My wife uh, and I uh, use that kind of inflection in our voices a lot. That's me. Uh, when we have something that the Lord says that's good about us, uh, not only does it, does, it, does it affirm to us that that is us, but it adds a little bit of excitement in our, in our relationship, right? So my wife uh, 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 kind of oversees the quilts of valor at this church. Maybe you've heard of that. They, they, they uh, put these beautiful quilts together for veterans who have retired, veterans who are current, and, um, and they... And they uh, they present them uh, to them in a big ceremony uh, a couple times a year. So that's, that's my better half. Uh, so when I tell you uh, today that I met her uh, in high school and at 15 years old we were sucking face on a school bus, I don't want you to think any less of her when you see her up here making presentations. <laughs> oh, man. So, so I want to go ahead and... and uh, we're going to talk, we're going to talk uh, eventually here. I, I've, I, I get the opportunity to be here, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate it, for two weeks uh, today and then next week. And we're going to get into a topic called returning to our first love. 
And um, every one of us uh, is just on fire for the Lord when we realize what just happened. Uh, and at times things happen in life, and we're going to talk about that, where maybe, the, maybe our flame goes down to embers, and we don't know why. And we're going to talk a little bit about that also. And we're going to have a little audience participation while we go. So before we get started, I guess I want to share a little bit about myself. It's, it's, it's awesome to see different guys get up here and share. And you get, a, you get an insight into their life. And I always feel like when people talk, they talk from the perspective of their life experiences. And, uh, and man, I tell you what, I don't care who it is. I learn. Mike? That was awesome what you did this last couple of weeks. To share your heart, it was just fantastic. <clears throat> and I'm 60, 63 years old, and I've been born again for more than 40 years, and believe me, I took notes. <laughs> and it's never, never too late to learn more and learn more and learn more. So again, I was born in 19, 1959. I'm 60, 63. I think that the math works out there. Uh, I was number three of six kids in my family. I want to tell you a little bit about my mom because she has a little bit to do with what I'm about to say. Uh, and before I go into that, some parts of my life were very, very dark. Uh, but I want to go to the end of the story before I tell you the beginning of the story. The end of the story is uh, I am who I am today because it's what Christ made me and he rescued me from horrific stuff. Uh, my family... Uh, my, all my brothers and sisters born again. My mom and dad both born again for the last uh, seven or eight years of their lives. Um, and so that's the end of the story. The end of the story is good. Um, and, um, and the whole story is good because what the devil meant for evil and for bad, God definitely meant for good. So here I am, number three of six kids. My mom um, was very rebellious. Um, she was, was a preacher's child. She uh, left home as soon as she graduated from high school, and no one really knew where she went, uh, according to, and I just found this out. My mom passed away this last year, and I just found this out from her brothers and sisters. She left home, and no one knew where she was at. She didn't communicate with anybody. <clears throat> um, she managed to find herself pregnant before marriage, um, and <clears throat> her parents refused to come to her wedding, uh, which she rebelliously set on. Uh, Devil's Night, uh, Halloween Eve. So uh, my mom ended up suffering with a lot of uh, deep depression, uh, alcohol problems, which, quite frankly, <laughs> I don't know, fellas, when we got married, we, in premarital discussions, we said, how many kids do you want to have? Two. And she said, oh, okay, well, I came from a two-person family. I guess I can go with that. And she goes, well, why did you say that? And I said, because I never want to do to you what my dad did to my mom with six kids. <laughs> now, maybe you can, you can have six kids and you can love them all, but I just didn't feel like that happened in my house. Anyway, I grew up uh, somewhat of an angry uh, child. When I was four years old, and believe it or not, I can remember this like it was yesterday. I don't know why. I'm running through the house with my mom chasing me in a rage. I don't know where my brothers and sisters were at. I, 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 was, I was there alone and um, found myself getting cornered in a corner in my bedroom with my mom yelling at me. And at four years old, she had picked up a jump rope and started swinging it at me. I ended up getting on, on the ground in a fetal position while she beat my back, uh, bare, uh, bare back with a jump rope. Uh, then she proceeded to tell me, I wish you were never born. 
So that's not a way to, that my first memory in my life is that. Uh, and then she disappeared. I'm not sure where she went. All I know is I reached around behind me and I could feel the raised welts on my back and they were oozing something or another. And um, so, I, I, again, I kind of grew up as a very angry child that didn't really feel wanted or loved. At 13 years old, a doctor moved in just down the road, and uh, he was a single guy, and he had adopted two boys. One of them was my age, and I believe he was the first man in Michigan to be single and adopt, uh, and adopt children. Well, she thought he was a great male figure and wanted me to go ahead and hang out down on the farm down there where the horses were at, and we had access to ride the horses anytime we wanted, so I went down there. <clears throat> First time I walked in the door, there was a stack of porno that, that high off the table. Free access, all you want. Go through the house, it's everywhere. That started uh, a downhill spiral, as you can well imagine. Uh, come to find out, the doctor was gay, uh, and it was just a grooming process. Uh, at 14 years old, I was arrested for shoplifting. At 14 years old, with all the wisdom of a very broken child in the front yard of my mom and dad's house in the middle of the summer night, I looked up the sky. I yelled out to God that I hated him and that I did not want anything to do with him in my life. I then proceeded to start praying to Satan. And that was a downhill spiral, to say the least. Um, at 14 years old, I began drinking alcohol literally walking through fire pits out in the woods where we were getting drunk. Uh, started, uh, oh, hey, at 15 I had uh, <laughs> my first experience with residential home building. Uh, went out and stole a bunch of lumber. Uh, built a hut out in the woods, which uh, had nothing, uh, no use but debauchery uh, with the kids in the neighborhood. At 15 years old, I began my streaking career. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I always think back uh, when, when, uh, when I read in the Bible about this guy running around like a maniac naked. Uh, well, I was probably filled pretty much with, the, with that, that myself. Uh, hey, and then uh, between 15 and 16 years old, I really tried committing sin the best that I could. I willfully involved myself in uh, unfruitful deeds of darkness that Ephesians talks about. Uh, and, it's, and it goes on to say that are shameful to even speak of, and I, I'm not going to speak of them. Um, through my foolishness uh, of living that lifestyle, I managed to attract demonic um, acquaintances, if you will. And uh, I still remember, while committing a sin, that this occurred, and I remember stopping and saying, whoa. What just happened? I knew the minute that it happened. At 16 and a half years old, my best friend went to a Young Life camp. Now, he and I had been side by side and uh, pretty much doing the same thing for 11 and a half years. I pleaded with him not to go to this camp because I knew something was going to change. I didn't know what Young Life was. I just knew something was going to change. He went and said, no, don't you worry about me, man. I'm just going to go have fun, and I'll be back. He came back, and he said, remember when you told me not to go because I changed? I said, yep. He goes, I changed. And then, um, 
So here I am, he's starting to tell me about Jesus, and I said, stop right there. I don't care if I ever see you again for the rest of my life. This is the only friend I ever had that I would see day in and day out. He lived right across the street. That's how hardened my heart was. Well, I had two brothers, and he knew them well also. So he came back over another week later and started sharing a little bit with my brothers, and I sat there thinking, oh, what a bunch of fools listening to this crap. And I had nothing to do with it. He showed up again a couple weeks later and said, Greg, I really wish that you would just let me tell you one time about what happened in Colorado when I gave my heart to the Lord. And I said, all right, you know, this will put an end to it. Just tell me. And he began to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And man, was that a moment. I still didn't want to yield to it. And he said, Greg, to give your heart to the Lord, you don't have to stop getting drunk. And I said, what? He said, to get born again, you don't have to stop chasing women. I was like, what? He said, to get born again, you don't have to stop cussing. I could not say a sentence without at least three cuss words in it. And I'm like, oh, well, man, I can have the best of both worlds. <laughs> I get born again, and I don't have to stop doing this stuff. <clears throat> that was just my nasty mind. He says, all we have to do is pray this prayer. And he told me what I would pray. Here we were sitting in the exact same front yard that I had yelled in, in my anger at God. And here we were on a starry night, <clears throat> and he says, okay, let's pray. Closed our eyes. I had never really prayed like this before to the Lord. Uh, and nothing came out. And nothing came out. And nothing came out. And my friend, who had no idea, the only one thing I never had told him about was that I had been praying to Satan. My friend, of all of his four weeks of being born again and filled with the Spirit, says this out loud. Oh, man, is Satan ever present here right now? I opened my eyes. I looked 360 degrees because I was certain that he saw him with his physical eyes. And then I looked back at him. He still had his eyes closed and his hands folded. I had thought... Someone was coming to get me right now. You ain't going to do this. Someone's coming to get me. Well, hey, listen, he said, listen, Greg, I'm just going to pray, and you repeat after me. And I did. And we prayed a prayer of salvation. And when we were done, he said, remember when I told you you don't have to stop chasing girls? Yep. Getting drunk? Yep. Cussing? Yep. And my voice kept lowering because I'm thinking, you just tricked me, didn't you? And he says, no, no. You don't have to stop doing any of those things to do what we just did, but you're going to want to. And I thought to myself, okay. He had to leave. It was, it was late at night. I went into the house. I grabbed a cup of water. I was standing at the sink. We had a big bay window there. I was taking this drink of water, and I looked up, and I could see the stars in the sky out this big bay window. And I felt like, it, like I literally got electrocuted. Just, oh, man, alive, what was that going through my body? And then all I could hear was, you're going to live forever. You are going to live in everlasting time with me. And, man, I tell you what, the joy that I felt right then was unbelievable. Well, my friend ended up coming back over a couple of days. 
with the living Bible. It was the, the New Testament skinny little Bible. And he uh, gave it to me. He had a little thing written in the front about uh, just how thrilled he was that I was born again. And I took that, didn't know anything about the Word of God, really, uh, except for a few Bible stories I may have heard of the five to ten times I'd ever been to inside of a church up until then. I tore through that Bible so fast it was ridiculous. Uh, within a week or two, I had read through the, the, the New Testament. I went back. I was reading more. I was highlighting it. Uh, and and uh, honestly, my life my life was seriously changed um, as a result uh, of reading the Word of God. It was renewing me. It was renewing a, a horrible trashed mind. Um, but you know what? When you're born again, every one of us knows that, that sin ship is a big, heavy ship going in one direction, and it takes a little bit to get that thing stopped and turned. So, so even though you feel condemnation, because the devil's always going to be there working on your past. He can't work on your, on your present and your future, but he's always going to be working on your past. And um, so it takes a, it takes a it, it really, honestly, it can take a lifetime of renewing our mind, constantly renewing our mind, constantly having a repentant heart. And that's the direction I went. So here I am born again. I'm going to this awesome church, man. What does my mom do? Are you going to that uh, charismatic church? I said, yeah. This is on the other side in Flint. She goes, look at this. She holds up this paper article. Do you know that they speak in tongues there? And I said, yeah, I've seen it. I'm, I'm 17 and a half, and she says, I forbid you to go to that church anymore. It's of the devil. And I'm thinking to myself, no, I was of the devil <laughs> before I got born again. I can't believe you don't see this change in me and want me to go there. But I went to the church leadership and said, hey, listen, this is what my mom says. I didn't know that much about the word, but she says I can't come here anymore because we speak in tongues. And their heads went down and they said, we hate to tell you, but you need to honor your mother and father until you're 18 years old. And I thought to myself, you've got to be kidding me, man. I was living a life of hell. And here I am turning around and I'm being told that I can't come here. This is ridiculous. Um, so I stopped going. I, I, I honored my, mom, my, mom, my mom's wishes. Interestingly, she would still let me go to the, the youth Bible study from the same church. Tell me they weren't doing something there. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so, hey, fast forward. I'm about 18 years old. And I'm hanging out with a bunch of guys from that church because I'm playing ball with them. But I start having these thoughts coming through my mind. I've been born again for a couple of years, and I start having these thoughts coming through my mind. And these thoughts are nothing but blasphemous. They go directly against the Word of God totally. And I would hear them, and I, and I mean, it would shock me. And I would say, Lord, I didn't say that. I was hearing them in my own voice in my head. Lord, you are the Son of God. You, you were on the cross. You shed your blood and paid for my sins, washed my sins away. Didn't just cover them. You washed them away. By your stripes, I am healed. And I would hear more of these thoughts directly in contrast. So I shared it with, this, with, these, with these guys that I was with. 
Here you got a bunch of 18-year-old guys who now have nothing better to do on a Friday night than to just be parked in the church parking lot praying over each other and praying for the lost. And I said, guys, i got to share this. Was it embarrassing for me a little bit? Yeah. To, I'm like, who, am I a lesser person because I'm having these thoughts? What's going on? No. Really, I was being tormented. And it was part of that past that had attached itself to me that had never, I'd never been delivered from. And these brothers, at 18 years old, say, we're going to lay hands on you. And I'm like, you're going to do what? We're going to lay hands on you. I'm not, I'm, and yeah, I've been going to this church, but I'm like, I'm not really sure what that does. But, you know, if that's something that we do, then let's do it. And they've laid hands on me, and they started praying over me. And I started crying. And I started crying harder. And I couldn't hear what they were saying, but they were praying. And they were all praying, and there were hands all over me, man. And, uh, and I started crying so hard that I thought I was going to pass out. I mean, I couldn't even get a breath. And next thing I know, it was over. And they were just kind of all looking at me, and I was all snotty-nosed, and, and I couldn't hardly see my eye. My, but I tell you what, I was delivered, and that has never, ever happened again in 40-some years in my life because the Lord delivered me from that. So I began, uh, obviously, reading the Word, just like anybody who gets born again. I think you're just so thankful that God would send his son to go through that torment that was meant for each and every single one of us individually. He bore it all. Um, and, and so our, uh, we spend time in prayer. Why? Because we're in love. We're starting to, we're feeling what love feels like maybe for the first time in our lives. Unconditional love. I didn't even have to do anything to get this love except for to say, yes, take me. I'm all yours. <clears throat> so that takes me up to returning to our first love. Um, as I said in the beginning, what happens? Sometimes we get busy. Sometimes things happen. But I wrote down when I was thinking about, uh, I, I, I kind of been thinking about returning to the first love, really honestly, a couple of months now. And it's been on my heart. Pastor Tom just came to me a few weeks ago and said, you know what, I've been, I've been thinking, do you have something you'd like to share? Well, I've never shared here before. <laughs> and I said, wow, this is wild because this has been on my heart. And I thought, well, this would be kind of fun to, to share and encourage guys with. And, and it's just that he just beat me to the ask. And, um, and I thought, well, man, that's a confirmation right there. So I, I, I wrote down some things here that our first love is a place that we never want to leave. Our first love is a place that we really never expect to leave in our lives. And I started thinking about my first love, uh, my wife, who I told you uh, that we were probably doing things we shouldn't have in a bus at 15 years old. But um, yeah, believe it or not, I ended up, we ended up, uh, uh, she ended up getting born again at a young life camp within weeks of when my best friend did. Um, and uh, ugh, my goodness, Lord is good. I remember uh, when we were seeing each other both born again. And there were nights we really be just we were really had become after being born again best friends. And there were more than one night, and you guys have probably done the same thing as well. 
<clears throat> we're sitting and we're talking in the driveway. We're just sitting in her car talking and talking and talking and talking. No sense of time whatsoever. And all of a sudden, the sun starts coming up in the eastern sky. You guys have done, how many have done that before? Oh, man, it's so awesome. Why? Love. I would sit there and listen to her talk until she was done talking. I wanted to hear every thought that she had. I wanted to hear what she thought about stuff. I wanted to hear what she thought about me. I wanted to hear what she thought about the Lord. And sit there and listen and listen. I, can't re I can remember one time sitting in there, and we were right up parked by my mom and dad's garage, and my dad came out to go to work. He worked at General Motors. And he came out at 5 o'clock in the morning. It was dark out, and he just leaned down, and he looked in the car, and we were in there talking, and he just went. <laughs> and he just kept on walking. Uh, those days. Well, those days are still here. You know what? Those days are only gone if we let them be gone. And it's the same with our love affair with our Father in heaven. So let's go ahead. Oh, I've got to figure out how to, I'm going to do the pointer. Returning to our first love. <clears throat> let's just talk at our table for a minute. Put a little list together. I know this is going to be silly, and it's going to be, you'd be like, oh, I don't want to be like romantic or talking about that, divulging my secrets to anybody. But let's just for a second at our tables talk about um, those things that we did when we were in the blooming relationships with our wife, our fiance, your girlfriend. Discuss the things that you did for them the way you felt about them, the things that you said to them, the things that you thought about as your relationship was blooming. I, I'll give you a couple examples that I have here. I would watch her lips move when she talked for the next word to come out. Literally, I would do that. So there's an example. Let's just talk for just a couple of minutes amongst ourselves. Things that we did, silly things, doesn't matter what. I'd love to hear uh, from some, some folks when we're done here. Okay, okay. Let's hear. What? You coming up for more? <laughs> or are you just getting into a really good story? Oh, oh man. Well, can, can I hear from, from somebody? What are some of those things that you, okay, Jim, no, back in here. Jerry, that's awesome. Amen. Oh, yeah. Amen. That is just a love story right there, huh? Jim. Just a funny thing. But my, my wife didn't think it was so funny at the time, but uh, she wasn't quite ready for it. She, she was 14 years old. And I was 16. And I kissed her on the first date. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Whoa, you are one aggressive guy, brother. Go get it, brother. <laughs> Anybody else want to share? I've only got a, we got a few more minutes here. Bobby. All right, so along the same lines of just, I, did, I never pulled an all-nighter sitting in the car, but I remember times where, like, 
I'm in landscaping, so I work early in the morning, like 6 a.m. And when we were first dating, you know, we'd, we'd hang out during the day, and then I'd take her back to her house, and we'd sit in the truck just talking, like you said. Not a care in the world of what yes. time was going by, how late it was getting, how tired I might be tomorrow. And we're sitting here talking, making sure that we're paralleling this to anything we do with God is the yeah. biggest thing. Is like, if we do this with physical relationships, how much more should we be able to do this with God? With God? And we, we'd fall asleep, like, in... In separate seats in the truck, uh-huh. you know, we weren't sucking face yet. Yeah. Not not until marriage. Um, but anyways, we we would fall asleep, wake up at like two in the morning, start talking again, and then be like, all right, I should probably go. Yeah. You know, not caring that I'm only going to get like two hours of sleep and sure. have to work the next day. Yeah. Well, Bobby, you're preaching. Next uh, Tuesday right here, because <laughs> you, you hit it on the head, man, because that's what we're going to delve into. How do our personal relationships with people that we love kind of mirror what our relationship with the Lord should be? Not that, our, not that that relationship should be second to our personal relationships, but you know what? They kind of image each other in a lot of ways. Let me tell you what my little list was that I, when I, because I had a little more time to think about this. So uh, listening attentively to every word they said, excitement and anticipation was in the air. Friendship between us. We had a need to be together. We had a kinship. Thinking about them all the time, huh? Don't tell me that didn't happen, guys. Looking forward to the next time we're together. Can't wait to talk again. Wondering what you're doing right now. Not going to let anyone or anything get between us. I'm not going to disappoint you. I want to impress you. That would kind of be in our, in our relationship with the Lord, obedience, right? Want to be pleasing to you. Again, obedience. Uh, you make me feel loved and cared for and wanted. Not that that's where we get our ultimate love because no human being is going to meet our needs like God is. Even spouses, that's something we sometimes get mixed up thinking, oh, I'm going to marry this person, and man, they're going to meet all of my needs. It's never going to happen. As long as you're talking, I will listen for hours. And those are the things that I, that I had put together uh, in those times uh, with Lori and I and with other folks that I deeply love. So let me ask you this. Would you say that in those times that you were diligently seeking after that person, yeah. And would you say uh, that as you were diligently seeking after them, that you learned more about them? In other words, you were becoming more intimate in your communications. And that's what being in love with God is, and that's what returning to our first love is about we're going to get a little bit more into that uh, this next week when we talk. Um, and, hey, just mull this stuff over. Think about, think about our relationships with your special someone and how that was cultivated. And think about your special relationship with our Father in heaven. Not only how well that was cultivated at the beginning, where is it at right now? Where can it, where can it go to? I feel personally... I'm in a pretty good point right now with my awesome Father in heaven. But like I just shared earlier, Mike spoke last, last week 
And I've been born again for a few decades, but I never stopped learning. And my level that I'm at with our Father in heaven is not going to stop right here. It's going to just keep going higher and higher and higher. Tim, you, you had a verse uh, that I haven't got to that point yet, but how awesome in our first love with God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the other things will be added unto you. So awesome. Such an awesome point about our first love with our Father in heaven. Seek him first. And these other things, the cares of the world, the things that are going on around you, you'd be surprised at how they're resolved when we seek him first. Man, let me pray real quick because I know I'm over. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for the hearts of these men. These men represent households, Father. And we thank you that you allow each one of us to be a shepherd over our own household. Father, we thank you that you are our father. You are our mentor. You are our leader in our lives, Father. We give you every piece of what we are, all that we have and all that we own, we give unto you, Father. Father, we give you our wives. We give you our children. We give you our grandchildren. Father, we pray that we would be good stewards of what you have set us over, Father. And we ask that you continue to, um, to pursue us. I guess I don't even have to ask that, Father. That's just in the natural. You love us. You pursue us. And, Father, even through all of my foolishness in my young life, Father, you pursued me because you saw the end from the beginning. And you see the end from the beginning in every single one of our lives. Thank you, Father, that we are blessed and we are highly favored in you. In Jesus' name, amen.